is the uh, editing going so far? Smoothly and quickly, actually, is what I'll, is what I'll say. You know, um, there's a multicam uh, function in Premiere. Yeah. And uh, there, are, there are two sequences in the little film that I made. We're talking about a little movie that I made um, where we were shooting with three cameras inside my car, a master, a, a camera in the back seat, and a camera to the left. And um, so because those are all jam sunk, I could set them up in the multicam edit. Now, this is an interesting process. You can look it up. It doesn't take very long. Uh, and, and it's so cool because once you sync it all, by the way, you can sync your audio in Premiere as well. I used to use Pluralize. Premiere will sync your audio, right? So you do these selections and you tell it to, to, uh, to set up a multicam sh uh, a shoot uh, and to sync the audio. And it pops all of those cameras up in four windows in your source window, right? So you have, in my, in my case, yeah. four angles. Uh, audio sunk, and you drop it on the timeline, and all you have to do is switch, like on, like in a live television show. Remember yeah. we used to do live TV? And you're just calling camera shots, camera one, camera two, camera three, whatever, and you can work your way back through it, and it is just so quick and smooth. Any take you don't want, you just lift out. When you finish, uh, you accept all of the edits, and every one of those little edits you made is a, is a cut on the timeline, a cut on the timeline. And, and, and you end up with a separate process file. Okay, that's the Adobe Premiere editing class for today. <laughs> Enjoy. Nice. <laughs> that little fucking multi-camera editing that's great. Adobe Premiere. Actually pretty neat. Very that's neat. nice. Makes it smooth and kind of quick. And uh, no memory problems or anything? Didn't, didn't uh, choke on you at any point? I, I got to tell you, uh, editing on the cloud is a wonderful thing. You know, I'm editing with yeah. stuff on the cloud. Yeah. Uh, is a very, very smooth process. Uh, and and I'm, I'm working with a fairly... You know, recent 2015, 16, or something like that. My, you know, my MacBook Pro. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty crunchy. Edit on the cloud. Everything's right there. Uh, you, it's a look. You and I started flatbeds. Yeah. You know, pick pick sinks. Picks. Yeah. You yeah. Know, one of these. Yeah. With, with that glue. Yeah. <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. And now I'm editing on the cloud. Who'd who, who have thought? Crazy. Who'd have thought? Well, we're going to dive right into it today. We're going to start off with a little bit of Kid Vid. Uh, and uh, the, uh, the movie I'm going to start off with is, is a dog movie. It seems like every time we get Kid Vid movies and they all get Dove approved from that uh, Dove Foundation, you know, family friendly. I, uh, how, you know, they're all dog. I'm just, you know, dog movies. Yeah. They're never going to go away. Anyway, uh, this is called Archie 2. Uh, I don't remember Archie 1. I'm sure we probably talked about it on this show, and uh, I've completely forgotten about it. It's not that memorable. These are, these are you know, part of the family end of Grindstone. Grindstone makes, again, all those kind of Steven Seagal-y, uh, yeah. Bruce Willis-y, crunchy thrillers that wind up uh, being distributed theatrically by Lionsgate. Uh, usually some violent, horrible cop thing. And then they also make goofy family films, and this is one of those. This is, uh, so Grindstone's Archie 2. Archie is like an acronym, right? Like a spy organization, like Archie. Oh, yeah. Right? Because uh, he's a spy dog. Archie 2. <laughs> That's what it is. Mission Impossible. <laughs> May, may almighty heaven help us. Oh. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, Michael J. Fox does the voice of Archie. and uh, you Oh, know, good. It all it all takes place in and around a circus, and it's just it's it's just it's not good, but um you know it is what it is. It's I guess the kids get to watch a dog do all kinds of obnoxious things and a few funny performances from uh, various people who obviously need to make boat payments, as Mark would say. <laughs> 
So there it is. It's Archie too. Uh, you know, uh, we got some uh, got some superhero stuff here. Some Lego superhero stuff from Warner, and uh, they come with uh, they're 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 fun. They come with figurines. Uh, well, they're both both Warner. One is Lego, and the other one is not Lego. But they're both uh, they're both DC superhero stuff. Aquaman Rage of Atlantis is from the Lego and DC Comics superhero line. Comes with a little uh, miniature. Um, female Green Lantern figurine because Jessica Cruz, the female Green Lantern, is in this. So you don't get Aquaman as part of Aquaman. You get a female Green Lantern. I don't really know why they did that. Did it that way? Uh, the, but they did. Mm. And uh, so why do we continue to have Lego superheroes from DC? I don't know. I don't. I don't understand anything to do with the whole Lego obsession. It makes absolutely no sense to me. But uh, if you like it, you'll you'll love this. It's fantastic. Comes with movies anywhere. If you want to put some Lego Aquaman onto your movies anywhere uh, digital locker. Uh, otherwise, you know, uh, I don't know. I guess it's funny and irreverent-ish kind of. <laughs> uh, DC's trying to do a lot more of this with their. Um, with their properties, which is to exploit them in a lot of different ways, some of which are serious, some of which are self-deprecating. That's why we've got, you know, the uh, the universe on television with Flash and, yes, yes. and, uh, and uh, Supergirl and all that nonsense, and Arrow, the whole Arrowverse on TV. And then we have a different one in the movies. And then we also have the Young Titans, which is now yes. a feature film that's very... The uh, little, very with, the little, with the little kids. Uh, very meta and self-deprecating and uh, is what it is. Uh, a lot more my speed is uh, the DC Universe movie, The Death of Superman, which, of course, uh, is based on the graphic novel story, The Death of Superman, which underlies the recent Justice League arc in which Superman was killed and then yeah. resurrected. Uh, and uh, this is better than that. <laughs> I have to be honest. This, mm. is, be this is better than Man of the second Man of Steel. Uh, significantly uh, better written, better, more faithful to the, the 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 concept, better faithful to the original material, and uh, yeah, I uh, it, it's it's really interesting to compare them, and I'm I'm surprised that they allowed this to be done, but um, there it is, and it also includes a Superman figurine, but not just a Superman figurine. It's Superman with his clothes shredded. Yeah, he's in apocalyptic mode there. Yeah. You know, it's actually uh, it's actually a cool uh, cool collectible. So uh, I would say definitely watch this, and this uh, is also movies anywhere, and uh, and well worth uh, the purchase because it's a really cool figurine. Uh, from Disney, we get Star Wars Rebels, the complete season four. Uh, you know, our friend and colleague Luke Wilson likes this a lot more. I, I he he thinks this really fills a plugs a hole in the Star Wars universe, especially with the with the new films. And uh, I guess I can see that it's a little too in deep for me. I, I've never really gotten into the into the Rebels series, but it's yeah. fine. It's fine. A lot, a lot of exclusive content on it has a real fan following, uh, and that's on Blu-ray. And then on DVD, we get uh, Disney's Elena of Avalar, uh, Realm of the Yakins. Uh, this is uh, the newest member of the Disney Princess line. is strictly a television princess, but Elena of Avalar is a gigantic marketing bonanza. We go to Disneyland fairly often with my daughter, and there is just Elena merchandise everywhere. Uh, this is pretty routine. It has 10 bonus shorts on it, and, uh, you know, it's it. this is basically Realm of the Yakins Parts 1 and 2, uh, Three Yakins and a Princess, and Shapeshifters, all from the, uh, the television series, and then 10 bonus shorts, uh, which are all perfectly fine. Uh, and then with Big Hero Six, the series. Ah. I never liked this movie. Did Other people, I did, didn't. Did you like it? Oh, it was okay. 
It's uh, a Marvel thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. With that sort of Japanese veneer. Yeah, yeah. It was. I mean, it's like, I know it was compared to The Incredibles in some quarters. Doesn't really come close no. to me. Anyway, no. uh, they do straight two D animation for the uh, television series version of it. They divorced it completely from Marvel. It is now an entirely Disney branded uh, effort. But uh, this has uh, seven episodes on it and a bunch of bonus, bonus shorts as well, six bonus shorts, and that's all perfectly fine. Uh, you know, I, again, I'm not a huge fan of it, but it's it, it's there. From Nickelodeon, got a couple from Nickelodeon. Rusty Rivets. This is a new show of theirs, and uh, has has a bonus Paw Patrol episode on it. Uh, this is you know uh, eight episodes from the uh, Rusty Rivets show, which is. It's cute, you know. These are this is a kid who's got you know little little robot uh, buddies, and you know they make all kinds of fun things. It's kind of the Inspector Gadget itch. It scratches it. It's perfectly fine for kids. Uh, more my daughter's speed, even though she's never seen it, is a uh, is Nella the Princess Knight Royal Quests. You can only get this at Target, by the way. This mm. is a Target exclusive for the time being, at least. Nella the Princess Knight Royal Quests. And uh, this is eight episodes from that show, which is cute. You know, she's kind of a swashbuckling girl knight person. And, uh, you know, it's a little bit medieval. It's kind of in the, it's sort of in the, uh, the Bubble Guppies uh, neighborhood. Uh, 20 Music Tales, Get Up and Dance, is a PBS Kids potpourri of stuff from tons of shows. There's stuff here from Word, uh, uh, Word World, Caillou, uh, Daniel Tiger, Peg Plus Cat, Dinosaur Train, Wild Kratz, just tons of stuff here. Uh, Odd Squad. And it's just all, you know, dappled together from uh, all these different series to keep kids interested. It's babysitting, basically. Two other ones from uh, PBS Kids Nature Cat, Onward, and Pondward is one of the better animated shows. It's been on PBS uh, in quite a while. Seven different episodes here. It's, you know, it's kind of uh, like Ren and Stimpy for kids, uh, being that Ren and Stimpy was never for kids. Uh, <laughs> no. No, no, no. Uh, so Nature Cat and has a bunch of friends, and, you know, they, uh, they, they are very en- environmentally oriented, but they're tweaked. Arthur, DW, and the Beastly Birthday. This is from the uh, Arthur series, which is fine. Uh, it's two different Arthur episodes, and it's, it's perfectly cute, and uh, skews very, very young. And then lastly, a couple from Cartoon Network, which skews a little bit older. Uh, Steven Universe, uh, Cartoon Network series, The Heart of the Crystal Gems. Never really got this show. This has uh, about 10 episodes on it. And then we've got uh, a much more significant uh, uh, DVD of uh, OKKO, Let's Be Heroes, Mm. uh, TKO. I never watched this before. This is the first time it's ever been on uh, DVD. Doesn't really work for me. It's just a little too cute by half. But um, you know, and I, again, uh, that also has a kind of a built-in Cartoon Network following, apparently. Yeah. So uh, let's let's move on to new movies. New movies, indeed. The newest of the new Avengers: Infinity War. Oh yes, on um, 4K. 4K Ultra. Hey, look, uh, packed with everything you can possibly think of. Over two hours of bonus materials. Um, look, uh, here's the deal. <laughs> Didn't much care for this movie. Uh, and, and the notion of, uh, the bonus material might be interesting, but I didn't much care for this movie. Um, this movie was shaped to service yeah. each one of these 
actors really. I was about to say characters, but yeah. not really. Not the, not the characters they're servicing. They're servicing the actors. Yeah. Robert Downey Jr., X number of words, of yeah. lines of dialogue. Yeah. And when, once you start shaping a movie like that and spreading that out, doling it over all of these movie stars, you don't have a movie anymore. Once you realize how many characters from preceding films must be in this movie, yeah. including all the Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah. including everyone from Black Panther. Not just Black Panther. Everyone. Everyone from Black Panther. Because and they've all got to say and do things significant. Like, like a big chunk of this movie takes place in Wakanda. Yeah. And uh, and then obviously all the preceding Avengers, which multiplied with every succeeding movie. And and by the way, the, the previous two Avengers films are also out now in 4K. Yeah. Uh, they did not furnish them to us, but those are also out in 4K if you want to do a whole 4K bonanza like like Luke did. Luke did a 4K Avengers marathon in his <laughs> in his living room last week. Um, oh. Anyway, the um, if you do the math, you wind up with so many characters in this movie that over the course of about two and a half hours, the only way everybody gets to share some kind of screen time is if they it, it basically have forty seconds of dialogue. Yeah, you know. By and, then you're done, and you're just done. And then because you got to got to do all the action. Yeah, this. yeah, yeah. So you know, because the action it, takes up more two thirds of the film. Uh, so so yeah, I don't know. I just yeah, I did not feel like I was watching a coherent film. I felt like I was watching a connecting. Uh, it's like it's like when you have those those toys and you have yeah. the one piece that's in the middle and everything else sticks on that piece. That's what this is. Here's here's what I think is kind of brilliant about the whole Marvel thing, though, and why I'm a little more forgiving of the film than I think you are. So they they have designed this not to necessarily have a long term shelf life, but to be to this is basically a television soap opera mm-hmm. designed as big budget movies stretched out over about 25 years. years yeah. It's, really, it's like The Young and the Restless. It's hugely ambitious and they've planned this out. Kevin Feige plotted this stuff yeah. all out. So we this film was designed specifically to come months after Black Panther and to capitalize on all of that Black Panther momentum. Mm-hmm. Black mm-hmm. Panther is now what the third highest grossing film in history or at least in the United States domestically. Mm-hmm. Uh, just crossed 700 million, something outrageous. And um, this is designed to take all that momentum, assuming that all those people have seen Black Panther, so mm-hmm. that in that movie, when Captain America says, I know a guy, yeah. and you cut to Wakanda, yeah. everybody goes, woo! You got a thousand people the screaming. The woo moments are exactly the woo moments. The, this way it's constructed. And it, and it is also a, a tease for another movie, yeah. which we, for those who haven't seen it, will you, you, you will get it at the end, a tease for another movie that comes out next year, mm-hmm. which will then be basically a prequel to the next Avengers film, mm-hmm. which will then tie up these loose ends because that next film is going to be a backstory. You know, it's all plotted in, in, in a very soapy way, and I, I give them credit for it. It's quite smart. At least they are, in fact, thinking about it. Unlike, yeah. you know, to some extent, those Star Wars movies where they're not thinking about it very hard at all. Um, packed full of all kinds of introduction by directors Joe and Anthony Russo, uh, all kinds of behind-the-scenes films, uh, deleted scenes, gag reel, you name it. Uh, it's on this Blu-ray for Infinity Wars. Go for it. So affairs of state. Uh, I had to cover this for uh, for radio as well. Not not a terribly interesting uh, political thriller. The uh, basically about a uh, a, a, a political Washington D.C. insider who um, gets involved in kind of a there's a there's a blackmail scam 
and uh, it, it you know it turns into a kind of a political thriller and goes into you know allegedly unexpected areas, even though you know exactly where it's going to go. Mm. Um, there's you know there's some surveillance stuff going on, and Thora Birch plays this hacker who you know may or may not be working both sides, and it's anyway, you know she's she's very very uh, you know liberal, but not beyond being not not beyond selling out, but he's not beyond selling out either. Or, anyway, it all it all kind of. Uh, isn't very credible uh, because politics when you turn on the TV is a lot more uh, interesting and dramatic these days and seems more fictitious than what's in this movie. Um, and their tagline doesn't help politics as usual. Well, not really. Politics yeah. as usual is more interesting than this movie. Yeah. Um, Thor Birch, uh, Mimi Rogers, Adrian Grenier, David Cornsweet is the, the main guy in this. It's, it's an okay cast. It's a, decently made movie but really not that interesting and this is again from the grindstone factory output through Lionsgate. yeah and i gotta think that they were expecting for that to do a little bit more yeah i think they know, did too as as this we saw this film under a different title but it's called yellow birds yeah here mm-hmm. uh soldier about uh, a movie about young soldiers uh who go off to the war uh jennifer aniston is is, is the mother of one of them uh, you got Ty Sheraton, uh, Sheraton and the Alden Ehrenreich and Tony Collette and Jason Patrick and Jack uh, Houston. And so here's here's the thing about this movie. Again, this is a movie that's actually quite well ra- made, acted, yeah. Yeah. executed, the war scenes, battle scenes, all of that. Very, but no, yeah. this movie does not work um, uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, despite all of the and and I gotta believe uh, that. I gotta believe that they thought that this would be a movie we'd be talking about during at awards, awards time. Season. Yeah, yeah. I'm I looking think at so I'm looking at Sundance on here. I'm looking at you know, all the little things like that. It's really interesting how these things are calculated so badly mm-hmm. uh, and just missed the mark. Feature um, uh, special features include uh, the making of uh, Yellowbirds, but no, all these young movie stars did not make for a particularly good movie. Nope. This was meant to be this year's Hurt Locker. Yeah, that's, that's what, what they were hoping for. You know? Yeah. But I don't know. I, reaching, you cannot go back. You can't reach back. It's like Hurt Locker crossed with uh, Casualties of War. Yeah. Is yeah. kind of what the plot is. Well, no, the Palma uh, film. The Palma, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't uh, work. Anyway, uh, weird little genre splicing kind of exploitation, arty, arty exploitation, whatever you want to call. Uh, a movie here called Pickings I by... Like you like this? Oh yeah, that was pretty. Yeah, good. It, it's it's a it's an odd little uh, little offbeat movie. Uh, Usher Morgan directed it, um, and it uh, they took a, a buck fifty and turned it into quite a stylized little um, little thing. It's you know it's kind of um, it it's sort of like a modern noir, but it's like a it's different. It's not it's not like a like an ordinary noir. It's a noir that's it feels a little bit of a throwback, kind of yeah. like a I don't know Chinatowny. Yeah, might might say anyway. A little westerny. Yeah, a little westerny, a little Chinatowny. Uh, anyway, it's uh, so you know it. it uh, there's not much you can sort of say to unravel the plot, but if you like noirs and if you like offbeat noirs, um, if you like things that have a little bit of like a lot of style for not a lot of money, you might want to check this out. It's called Pickings. Uh, by a very talented new filmmaker called uh, Usher Morgan. So uh, give it a give it away. The, the tagline is good. They picked a fight with the wrong woman. Yeah, that doesn't really. It's not. Well, it, the woman's it, name is Pickens. It's not. It, it's not. Um, it's not. I spit on your grave. No, I don't no, want. No, I don't no, want no. anybody to think it's one of those revenge movies. It's not. No, what no, it is. no. She's running that bar and she's minding her business. And these guys come in and uh, you know they're gonna do what they're gonna do. And she's like, No, you're not. Yeah, and, that, and that's it. That's as much as you <laughs> need to know. As much as you need to know. Um, the original National Lampoon's Van Wilder, starring Ryan, uh, Ryan Reynolds, of course. 
2002. To be honest with you, I have no memory of this movie whatsoever. <laughs> I know I saw it. I reviewed it. I actually wrote a review for Box Office Magazine for it. Uh, this kid, uh, Ryan Reynolds, when he was a kid, way back yeah, then. Yeah, that was his first big thing. His dog, he used to walk his dog down to the dog park. Me and yeah. Richard would take Easy yeah. down to the dog park, and we'd see him all the time. And he'd come on over with his dog. Zero, I, I, for, I had forgotten Tara Reid was in it. Yeah. Um, I had forgotten, um, that's, that's not John Cho, it's the other one. Uh, Harold and Kumar. Oh, yeah, Kumar. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kumar, I'd forgotten yeah. Kumar was in it. Um, uh, so, no, this movie uh, actually made no impression on me whatsoever. But, but they made four, five, six, seven, uh, a lot of them. Yeah, but he wasn't in any but of he the wasn't other in ones. He, yeah. he, got a, he got a real career, smart yeah. guy. Uh, nevertheless, this is the unrated version. On 4K. I, on 4K. Uh, and I can't imagine what it was before if it wasn't filthy. <laughs> it's just, you know, anyway, you got two discs here. All kinds of stuff on the deleted scenes, outtakes. Uh, 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 um, 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 all kinds of blue book, it, it, all kinds of stuff you can think of. National Lampoon's Van Wilder, the unrated version. Man, 16 years ago, really? Isn't that crazy? Wow. Crazy, right? Yeah. So we've got some Warner Archive collection stuff. Uh, Captain Thunder is the only one on DVD R yeah. uh, this week. The other two are Blu rays, and uh, this is from uh, the 1930s, and it is pretty. It's pretty. I mean, this is an old Vitaphone, uh, an early talkie from Vitaphone, and it's. Uh, it's basically a border tale with Fay Ray, uh, and most of those border tales are pretty hokey with some really kind of embarrassing Mexican stereotypes. Uh, like in this one, because you have a Hungarian actor playing uh, El Capitan Thunder. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But, but there is a kind of a bizarre oh. chart. There's a, yeah, let's go. We, we, need, we need a Mexican actor. Where can we find a good Mexican actor? I know. There's that Hungarian guy. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Uh, that's how it was. Uh, that's how it was at the time. Anyway, the, the, the actor is Victor Varconi. And uh, he basically plays just a, you know, a rascal, uh, a, a Latin rascal, as, as they often wound up in these things. Uh, even better is Comandante Ruiz. <laughs> Comandante Ruiz is played by... Charles Yodels. <laughs> it's hysterical. And then, uh, and then, of course, Ferre plays Inez. There's nobody even remotely. Nobody remotely. No, yeah. not even remotely. So uh, anyway, it's fine. It's uh, it, it's enjoyable only because it's kind of early talky era kitsch. Uh, the other two on Blu-ray, fantastic. Both of them, absolutely fantastic. One is the very underrated Supergirl, which was ripped at the yep. time. I'm sorry, love the movie with Helen Slater and oddly Christian Slater. Uh, fell in love with her immediately. Faye Ray, uh, sorry, Faye, Ray, Faye Dunaway. Faye Dunaway. I, was just, I was still on Faye Ray from the previous and the wrong Faye. Faye Dunaway is fantastic in this. Uh, there's a vintage documentary on the making of the film, which is great. Uh, there's a commentary by Jeannot Swark, who directed it, who, of course, did one of the, I think I think it was Superman 2 that Jeannot Swark directed. Yeah. So they went and got somebody who had a little bit of uh, Superman background. I, I mean, look, is it perfect? No. But it actually is a lot of fun. And it's she's really fantastic. And Helen, she, she plays Supergirl's mother on the Supergirl television show, by the way, which yeah. I think it's clever. Very clever. You know, and, Terrific. And still ridiculously beautiful. I love all too. that stuff. Because that's why they, they went and got uh, the guy who played the previous Flash to yeah. play Flash's, Flash's dad. dad on the show. It's great. Yeah, I love yeah. that they do that yeah. stuff. Make it's a lot of fan service. 
So this is on Blu-ray. Supergirl on Blu-ray. Cannot get enough of it. Absolutely love it. And uh, Peter O'Toole is in this, as in Mia, Fa- as is Mia Farrow. Come on, Peter O'Toole, Mia Farrow, Mia Farrow. Faye Dunaway. Yeah. Give me a break. And this is introducing great. Helen Slater. Fantastic. As Supergirl. And then the the last one from the Warner Archive Blu-ray line this week is A Village of the Damned, which is so priceless yeah. and so classic. Creepiest kids in the world. Uh, you got. It's just. This is one of the all-time great creep factor movies. Um, directed by Wolf Rhea and uh, released at the time by MGM. George Sanders and Barbara Shelley star, but really it's all about the creepy kids. Uh, you know, this was uh, this is from 1960. It's kind of riding the invasion of the body snatchers wave of, uh, of um, uh, red paranoia, which gets projected in all kinds of interesting uh, science fiction films. And really, honestly, it, this is just great. It's so great. Creepy kids, man. The creepiest kids ever in any movie. Ah, indeed, 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 indeed. I have got the three-movie Predator collection here. The first three Predator movies. Predator, Predator 2, and Predators. Yeah. Uh, so with another, seven, with another one coming out soon. With another one coming out very soon. Shane Black. With Shane Black. Original, you know. Yeah. Uh, right here. Uh, you know, Arnold's movie, 1987, fantastic. John McTiernan directing. You and I were talking about him. Oh, yeah. We, a project we were working on. <laughs> Solid is a just wonderful movie. Carl Weathers, Bill Duke. Can't go wrong with Predators. Yeah. Predators 2, set it in Los Angeles. Now, I did the junket for this movie yeah. in 1990. Danny Glover. Danny Glover, Ruben Blattis. Yeah. You know, the whole guy. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't quite. I don't know. It was a weird thing. Love, love Danny Glover. And it, yeah. It's not, not the same. Uh, and then, to be honest with you, Predators, that 2010 yeah. movie with Adrian Brody and Topher yeah. Grace, and I'm yeah. like, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> because now we've got it's, we've got a feuding predator. Yeah. We've got eugenics in the predator world. <laughs> we've got a feuding uh, species of predators, yeah. or like different species. And next thing you know, you got the predators versus the aliens. And, because you know that whole that's a whole little crossover there. Well, and now apparently the Shane Black film's got some kind of now genetically modified predator that's the size of Godzilla. I don't know. I'm yeah. not quite following, but uh, I trust Shane Black, so I'm. Hoping the new film will, well, will yeah, restore some legitimacy. I definitely had to tap out after that 2010. Nevertheless, if you're a big Predator film fan, you're going to want to get this. Only thing that bugs me about this, the movies are there. Uh, you know, 4K, Ultra DVD, all that's all fine, but nothing. Nothing in terms of special features. Not really. Yeah. You know, yeah. you got your movies, but that's about it. I would, I would prefer the special features because all of these have been out before and they all yeah. have special features on them. Yeah. So you're, you're getting this because of the 4K. Yeah, so I guess that's that, just getting yeah. the upgrade is what you're getting, yeah. So the first piranha, let's let let's kind of jump back here. So <laughs> Jaws yeah. was directed by Steven Spielberg, yeah. which then inspired an endless number of uh exploitation films that riffed on it, uh that were, you know, shark or some other kind of a creature in the water oriented. The most famous of which was Piranha, mm. which was a Roger Corman production directed by Joe Dante. Yeah. Joe Dante, who of course became very close friends of Steven Spielberg and would go on to direct Gremlins. Uh, for Spielberg and uh, would direct uh, an episode of the Twilight Zone movie along with Spielberg and George Miller. And uh, and then Piranha 2 came along and Mm. they couldn't get uh, Joe Dante, (laughs) so they hired a young special effects technician who had been working on a lot of Corman stuff by the name of... uh, What's his name? Uh... I, I, uh, how do you how do you pronounce his name? Mr. James Cameron. I man. never never heard of him. Anyway, people forget yeah. that guy. He was an engineer. I mean, it was he yeah. is an, he is engineer. an engineer? That's yeah. what he was doing. He was building crap. Yeah. And when we say yeah, that's right. We should point out when we say he was a special effects guy. Yeah. We don't mean he sat in front of a computer and created three no. D CG models. He built stuff. He built stuff. Yeah. He yeah. did what you know what special effects guys used to do. 
which is uh, you know akin to being a uh, an architect and an engineer yeah. and a and a builder all in one. Uh, so anyway, yes, Cameron directed Piranha Two right before he would go on to direct Battle Beyond the Stars, which is where he met. Uh, 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 many uh, of the, uh, uh, the, the Catherine. Um, oh, he met he met everybody on that. Galan, yeah, Galan. Yeah. yeah, and he Galan heard. Yeah. Yes, he would also uh, he would also meet James Horner, who scored yeah. that film, and all the people that he would continue to collaborate with. So, uh, but it's interesting to watch Piranha too. You you definitely see Cameron in this. There's no question that he realizes he's taking it from somebody else, just as he took Aliens mm-hmm. from Ridley Scott, from Ridley Scott and yeah, made yeah. it his own. Yeah, he's doing a similar thing here. This is kind of uh, so. If you're a Cameron completist, you will be very very interested to watch how this works. And it's not without names in it. I mean, Lance Henriksen is in it, and. Uh, Lance Henriksen is in it. And, uh, <laughs> well, I guess all it's really got going is Lance Henriksen. So anyway, uh, uh, that's they it. still make those movies. Piranha 3D. Piranha, oh, yeah. They still making those stupid movies. Piranha 2, The Spawning. Crazy, crazy, all crazy. Right. What have I got here? Um, oh, I remember this movie. I, this, is, this is actually a very good movie. James Belushi, Charles Grodin, Taking Care of Business. I got to tell you, this movie, this was one of those little odd movies. For, for, for one thing, it was a weird moment there. When James Belushi, James Belushi, John's younger brother, uh, became a movie star after coming off Saturday Night Live. And he had a run of about, I don't know, eight, nine, ten years or so where James Belushi was a movie star. Uh, and, and he made a whole bunch of movies, some of them mediocre, some of them better than others. This one I thought was funny, and it's mostly because of Charles Grodin. Uh, and because he's uh, Charles Grodin made, had a, made a number of movies back, uh, it's the only you. Uh, it's just a m- number of movies where he was just the funniest thing in the world. Uh, Midnight Run with with uh, with with uh, Rob no with uh, yeah Robert De Niro yep. and Joey Pants just just all kind of these wonderful little movies that they just don't make these movies anymore. This is one of them. Hollywood Pictures, of course, that company doesn't exist anymore. Arthur Hiller directing 1990 film. Um, Hector Elizondo, uh, Paul Mazursky. Uh, it's just a really really neat little movie, and they just don't make them anymore. Special features include a commentary by screenwriter Jill Mazursky. Uh, and a few other things. Um, you know, a neat movie starring the, the kind of folks that don't star in movies anymore. Mm, James Lucy, Charles Grodin, taking care of business. So we've got some, uh, co- some cool cult stuff here, uh, w- starting off with Streets of Vengeance from Slasher Video. Uh, once again, this has just one of these, one of these great taglines. Uh, and it's, it's probably funnier if you're looking at the picture because the picture is all like a, a whole bunch of 80'd out. Uh, and this is a relatively recent film, I should point yeah. out. Uh, this is from 2017, but it looks like a like a like a movie from the 80s. It looks like an exploitation movie from the 1980s, where everybody's all kind of 80'd out, like Lost Boys style. Uh, this badass looking woman with the fingerless gloves, <laughs> you know, studded necklace, and uh, Streets of Vengeance. And um, it, the tagline is "Vengeance belongs in the streets, and the streets belong to Mila." <laughs> Uh, well, I guess Mila's Mila's bad. Real uh, Michael Perret, yeah. Willem Dafoe, Streets of Fire. Oh, Streets of Fire, very yeah. much a, a street a model for this for sure. And uh, yeah, I mean, this is uh, it feels like it would have been made in the 1980s. There are no names in this per se, but uh, the you know the whole idea about this ex porn star who turns kind of uh, vigilante and uh, you know it, 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 she's kidnapped by this weird kind of. Uh, uh, sexist cult and you know there's a whole there is a little bit of like an 80s uh, I spit on your grave vibe going on here so uh, it knows what it is it knows that it's an exploitation film it knows that it's uh, it's it's tapping uh, into a certain kind of an audience and they just totally play it to the hilt it's Grindhouse but it's 80s Grindhouse 
And it's actually a lot of fun. It's called Streets of Vengeance. And then another one here called Dead Shack, uh, which is, you know, pretty straight up uh, horror stuff, kind of in the uh, in the 80s, 90s vein. This is also uh, a throwback, but made recently in uh, 2018. And, uh, you know, it's a bunch of kids in the woods and, and horrible, monstrous things that are up there. And it's a little bit of Friday the 13th, a little bit of uh, Hills Only Have Eyes. Or the, the yeah the yeah hills on, uh, hills have eyes yeah the hills, hills, yeah and a little bit of uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre it's all that stuff kind of uh, wrapped together in a zombie movie and uh, it's called Dead Shack and you're not watching this for the script you're watching this just for the zombie effects and the gore effects. Uh, 1978, uh, right before he made Halloween and started started that run of movies, John Carpenter made a little movie called Someone's Watching Me. Oh, with his then-wife, Adrian Barbeau. Adrian Barbeau. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it makes me dizzy just thinking about her. Starred Lauren Hutton, Adrian Barbeau, Charles Cyphers in the film. About a woman uh, who moves into this fancy, fancy uh, uh, apartment uh, complex and, you know, a stranger sort of watching, sort of peeping Tom kind of thing, cat and mouse game. Sort of ensues. This is a new 2K scan uh, with an audio commentary uh, from Amanda Rees. You are in the house alone. There's another one of those wonderful John Carpenter films, uh, and, uh, and 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 a, uh, a little profile of John Carpenter and TV promo promos for the movie. Look, it's a John Carpenter film. Uh, medium, not early, well, fairly early John Carpenter. He was really good. I'm looking to see if he did the score for this, as he is has been known to do. It does not music compose. No. Terry Sukeman, not John, not a John Carpenter score. Very interesting. Yeah. 1978, uh, someone's watching me. Uh, you got one there? Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I was just going to hit a couple of Arrow titles. Uh, one, they're both from 1972. The first one is from the Italian giallo director Massimo Dallamano. Wow, I did not screw that up. I'm very proud of myself. Mm. Uh, it's called What Have They Done to Your Daughters? And uh, this is, uh, you know, it's it's giallo. It's it's it starts gory and it gets gorier, and uh, it deals with, you know, uh, well, there's a, there's an under there's a young uh, a, a prostitute ring of underage girls, mm. and the they are subjected to things by people that are it's not appropriate for me to even mention on mm. this on this show. Uh, you can fill in with your imagination. Uh, I wouldn't call it a great thriller, but it certainly plays. It holds. Uh, it holds down a very important place in the history of Giallo, and uh, that is explained in all of the extras, which include a commentary from Troy Howarth, who wrote "So Deadly, So Perverse: Fifty Years of Italian Giallo Films," which makes the movie better. I would almost recommend watching it, listening to his commentary while you watch it, because the movie will disgust you less and it will mean more. So uh, if, you, if that interests you, it's a very good Blu-ray transfer. Somehow they kept hold of the elements in a beautiful way. Um, that's worth it. Uh, the next one, this is even gorier, but it's more significant at the same time. It's Herschel Gordon Lewis's The Gorgor Girls, which also includes the uh, 1971 film This Stuff Will Kill Ya, which was a hillbilly movie that he made the year before. Now, Herschel Gordon Lewis, who we mm. talk about a lot in our Schlock documentary of some 16 years ago or 17 years ago, um, you know, started off making nudie cuties. Herschel Gordon Lewis was not a movie maker. He no. was just a, he was a he was a guy in an office, and he decided he wanted to make better money. And yeah. movies was where it was at. Yeah. So he teamed up Particularly with David, exploitation movies. Teamed up with David Friedman, made nudie cuties. Got bored with that. Did some gore. Did some other wacky stuff like hillbilly uh, stuff, which they call hicksploitation. Mm -hmm. uh, there were a few of those at the time, not too many. 
Anyway, that's all here together. The Gorgor Girls, you don't need to know them. Look, it's somebody, somebody's, you know, slaughtering go-go dancers. That's all you need to know. Yeah. Uh, Gorgor is a play on go-go. Go-go, yeah. That's the joke. Ha ha ha. Anyway, uh, Lewis does a commentary on here that's pretty great. Uh, as well as on this stuff will kill you, uh, and then uh, there's a bunch of other stuff on here too. You know, little featurette things and uh, and interviews, and it's all you know, it's all significant. Look, Lewis is an important figure, and whether you like the movies or not, it's hard to ignore him. Yeah, yeah, you know, they they they, they sort of shape a genre, shaped a genre for several generations, yeah, right did. there. Uh, the Changeling. Man, I had forgotten uh, about this movie, Peter Medic film. Not a horror to be, movie. Not to be confused with uh, Clint Eastwood's Changeling. With, no. Uh, with, with, uh, uh, yeah, with, uh, with Angelina, Angelina Jolie. Jolie. Yep. The Changeling. Yeah, exactly. That's a movie about 1920s yeah. kidnapping. Yeah. This is, a, this, is a, this is a horror film with George yeah. C. Scott. Uh, and uh, and yeah, there's a baby involved, but uh, it's not the kind of the different kind of thing. <laughs> uh, um, this look, this is just a good, solid, still stands up um, a horror movie directed by a wonderful director, Peter Medic. Uh, the craze and and, and uh, uh, the uh, the ruling class and Romeo is bleeding. Romeo is bleeding. Oh man, the movie's amazing. I still love Romeo is bleeding. It, but this is a solid as a rock film too. Uh, the DVD here uh, from Severin is full of special features, audio, uh, audio commentary with Peter and the producer of the film and uh, uh, several little movies and uh, the music of the Changeling and just uh, all kinds of stuff. So, you look, if you're a horror fan of classic horror, particularly the kind that still hold up after, after a few decades, the Changeling is what you're going to want on Blu-ray. I uh, got a bunch of stuff from Vinegar Syndrome. Vinegar Syndrome uh, does some of the best exploitation stuff. They find really, really cool old movies and they clean them up and they 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 just do a, they, Their library is really, really great. Uh, so we've got a, a whole bunch of interesting stuff from Vinegar Syndrome. I'll uh, do the best I can to do justice to all of this. Liquid assets, and in the in the, the way the logo's done, the S's of assets are made like dollar signs. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Liquid Assets is uh, is a is a pretty fun exploitation film uh, from 1982, very much in the uh, in the 1982 vein of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, it, I, I want to say this is kind of like a oh gosh, it's like taking uh, oh let me think, a Bachelor Party might be the best example. So uh, yes. uh, the sex comedies at the time, a lot of them revolved around uh, how are we gonna you know. Uh, well, I'm not gonna. I'll, I'll give it away. So yeah. I, I won't. I won't. I'll, I'll back up a little bit on that. Not so, quite Porky's. Um, maybe even the better one might even be uh, the uh, Risky Business. Oh, Risky Business. That's, that's right. maybe they're, a better. It's sort of a, a, a dark caper at the center of it all. It's it's yeah. There, there's a money raising endeavor going yeah. on. So anyway, uh, this is like Risky Business, except a lot riskier, and a lot better business. Uh, so that's what this basically is, but uh, you know, with the exploitation cast and uh, and obviously no studio looking over your shoulder and saying you can't go that far. That's a little bit uh, too edgy. No, they go all the way, and uh, some some actors whose names will mean something to you, like uh, Samantha Fox and Ron Jeremy. Mm-hmm. I'll leave it at that. And uh, they did a great job restoring this too. There's an audio commentary with Robert Findlay, who was the producer, cinematographer, and editor. That tells you everything you need to know. Also, interviews and trailer and a lot of other fun stuff. Liquid assets. Uh, and then also uh, from Vinegar Syndrome is The House of the Dead. Now, this is a horror anthology made for next to no money in 1978. And here's the deal uh, you got this, this, this really this creepy dude who's out wandering around during a rainstorm and. Uh, 
who takes him in but a mortician? Because, mm. you know, when you're wandering around in a rainstorm, the first person to take you in is always going to be a yeah, mortician. Yeah, and that's where you want to stop. And the mortician has stories. <laughs> oh, does this mortician have stories? And each one of those stories becomes, uh, you know, an, a, actual, a, yeah. an actual story yeah. in the anthology, kind of Twilight Zone or uh, or uh, what was the, uh, what was oh, the one yeah, on TV? Oh, yeah, like Tales from the Crypt. Tales from the Crypt. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's that Tales kind of a deal. It, it's, it's decent. It's all right. Rom Stoker's a Shadow Builder from MVD a video. This is uh, you know, adapted from a short story by Bram Stoker. It's about a Catholic preach, uh, archbishop, actually, who summons a demon uh, because he wants the demon to destroy the world. The demon mostly just sort of destroys him and everybody in the small town that sets uh, folks against one another. What I like about this movie is that you got yourself a young Michael Rooker uh, in this movie. you got a young uh, Kevin Zegers in this movie and a young Tony Todd. In this movie, uh, adore me some Tony Todd. Uh, lots of special features here, high definition uh, transfer, uh, including an and an audio commentary by the director Jamie Dixon, uh, a featurette on the making of the film. Uh, you know, it's not exactly a classic uh, horror film, but it is pretty neat. Shadow Builders, Shadow Builder from Bram Stoker, MVD Rewind Collection. So, uh, interesting, another one from uh, Vinegar Syndrome, and this is not an exploitation film. This is called Buddies, and uh, this is a significant film from 1985 because this is technically the first film to deal with the AIDS crisis. Mm. It was, I mean, we think of, you know, like Long Time Companion, Companion, and we think of uh, Philadelphia, Philadelphia. but Buddies was actually the first one. Uh, It was shot on 16 millimeter. Is that the one with Steve Buscemi? Steve Buscemi, no, no, okay. no, no, Steve Buscemi in this. No, uh, this is this is a real shoestring budget, shot on sixteen millimeter, uh, which they have um, it made look so much better than sixteen has any right to look. I'm not sure if that's even necessarily a good thing. And uh, it was very controversial at the time. Didn't really get a lot of play. It's very short, seventy nine minutes long. It just blows right by. Uh, but it's really good performances from actors who've done, who did nothing and have gone on to do nothing. Uh, and and it's worth watching because. It's really raw, and it doesn't. Uh, it's not beholden to. Um, it's not beholden to any agenda other than its own. It mm. really, it really, it's it's quite a fascinating movie, and it's it's interestingly, I don't want to call it dated, but it definitely is of the era. Mm. I'll just say that it's very much and of the era. What year is that from? Seven. Uh, sorry, uh, eighty-five. Eighty-five. Yeah, First right, one. Yeah, right at the top of the. Right, right at that moment, and it's it's pretty tough to watch in places. And then uh, we also have volumes three and four of a series that uh, Vinegar Syndrome continues to put out. Five films, five years. Uh, basically just uh, a way of taking their library and monetizing it by uh, ex- ex- making these historically significant. And uh, it's very, very interesting. So the first one, uh, volume three, Golden Age Erotica. Uh, most of the films are from the uh, mid to late 1970s, and then there's one from the 1980s. Uh, there is uh, Corporate Assets, Dracula Sucks, The Vixens of Kung Fu, Tropic of Desire, and Baby Rosemary. That tells you everything you need to know about yeah. all those. Uh, the, the other uh, set, Volume 4, is Horror and Exploitation most of which are uh, all over the place. There, There's one from the 60s, uh, three from the 70s, one from the 80s. Uh, a couple of these actually are kind of uh, real cult classics. The uh, the films here are Cry Wilderness, Vampire Hookers, which is legendary, mm-hmm. frankly. Vampire Hookers is outrageously funny. That's from 1978. Uh, John Carradine was in that. It's fantastic. 
Uh, and then Evil Come, Evil Go, The Cutthroats, and Teenage Seductress from 1975, which is also kind of a, kind of a thing. Yeah, for sure. So uh, Horror and Exploitation and uh, Golden Age Erotica, five films, five years line from Vinegar Syndrome. I would recommend you also get volumes one and two. It's a great line, and uh, especially if you like exploitation films and cult films, it's terrific. A uh, little TV? Yeah, let's hit the TV. Arrow, complete season, sixth season, complete sixth season, uh, includes an inside crossover, uh, that whole crisis on Earth X, which I think you plowed your way through. Yeah. Uh, just yeah. past this yeah, past I season did. with the crossover Man, with the Flash was, and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Uh, 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 plus all four DC crossover episodes of that. So you get the hour, you get a little bit of the Flash. This is, of course, the story of Oliver Queen, uh, who went missing as a as a, as a young man, and uh, on the comes back on the island, and he recognized the arrow, the green yeah, arrow. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know what? He's kind of whiny in this series. <laughs> Not as bad as uh, that I, kid in that other series. Uh, I the, what what I what I really sort of enjoy about him in the Arrowverse is that whenever he's around anybody else. Mm-hmm. He's always the grown up in the room. He's like Batman, right? Yeah. And 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 the difference between and the, and the thing that 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 Green Arrow and Batman have in common is that whenever they're around all these people with super powers, they always say, "Now listen, I want you all to listen to me." And just remember, I don't have any power. <laughs> yeah. They're they're like on top of it. They're the boss until they start whining. But don't don't leave me behind because I don't really do anything. I can't fly. <laughs> I can't fly. But I do have my charge strength. card because they're both rich. But I'm still the boss. Even I'm still Danny. the boss, right? Danny and the other one. Uh, so, uh, Green Arrow, uh, if you're into that, SEAL Team, season one. This, is, of course, this is the David uh, Boreanaz show. Somebody told me, I don't not know. Not to be confused with Six, which no, we talked about season last season week. Six, which is about SEAL Team. Yeah. Six, this is yeah. SEAL Team, which is a, a show not about SEAL Team Six, but about a SEAL Team. Uh, it stars David Boreanaz. And somebody told me this. I, don't, I can't remember who it was. But, of course, David Boreanaz was Angel uh, on Buffy the Vampire uh, Slayer, the original Buffy the middle 90s, something like that. Then, of course, he did the spinoff, Angel, for several years. And, of course, he, w- he just came off several years of the television program Bones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and somebody told me that David Boreanaz is one of the richest men in Hollywood. And if you count it up, he's been on network television regularly yeah. and, and, and as executive producer and star yeah. of two shows for 20 years. Years. That'll do it. I think they might be right about that. You know, it's amazing. There are certain people who manage to have these amazing careers without ever making a feature film. Yeah. They become exorbitantly wealthy. And certainly famous. And very famous. Uh, McGregor, uh, MacGyver. Uh, uh, who, oh, guy for sure. Yeah, MacGyver. yeah, yeah. He's, he's one. Uh, look, Lu- Lucille Ball was the first one. Yeah. Lucille Ball had next to nothing as far as a film career. Yeah. And then she went into radio and then television. And on television, she became freaking Desi Lu. She yeah. and Desi. They, they, uh, if Star not them, Trek we'd have and, no Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. The, whole, the whole shebang. Uh, 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 Seinfeld. Yeah, is another one. Same thing. Yeah. Uh, and I would even say Robert Conrad is one that people overlook. Robert Conrad has starred in so many TV shows. It's oh, unbelievable. Yeah. Hawaiian Wild, Wild Eye, West, Wild Hawaiian West. That's right. Baba Black Sheep in the eighties. Baba Black Sheep. He had a number of failed shows. Like uh, there was that spy one where he drove that great uh, that great old car. I forget what the what the name of that mm. was. It was like I don't. I want to say Man from Uncle, but obviously yeah, that's yeah. not it. Um, the yeah. Duke. He, he played yeah, the, the, yeah. the box in the Duke for a show that had Larry Minetti, who'd go on to uh, to be on uh, Magnum PI. Yeah, it, it is an interesting thing. Yeah, sure. I'm going to do a couple episodes of this. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm not going to sweet. Buddy of ours. Uh, Power Rangers Ninja Steel animated series, right? Yeah. Hi, I'm Saban. I worked for him once. Uh, didn't pay me. <laughs> so screw him. <laughs> 
Well, uh, we all, the last one for TV is uh, Sid Caesar, The Works. Over 13 hours of amazing Sid Caesar television. Uh, Sid Caesar, we, we, look, Sid Caesar shows between our show of shows and uh, Sid's Hour, I think it was what yeah. it was called. Uh, this is the, they gave us so they gave us Mel Brooks. They gave us Rob Reiner. Imaging, you know what? Imaging Coca was. Yes. Yeah, I mean she was around, but there she is. They they uh, gave us Woody Allen. Mm-hmm. Uh, they gave us Neil Simon. I mean, you can go right down the line. It's unbelievable the people who started as writers. Writers on that, on that show. It's yeah. just it's extraordinary, and uh, it really, it's it's just it's this is all fantastic stuff. You could not do a comprehensive box of all of Sid Caesar's stuff because it would be hundreds and hundreds of hours. It'd be ridiculous. You'd have to have like it. It just it wouldn't be uh, cost effective, but. They've gone through and they put together the best of the best. And uh, there's some amazing stuff here. And this isn't all just Sid Caesar. This is, you know, there's some Mel Brooks stuff here and Carl Reiner stuff. Uh, there's even Mel Brooks, Carl Reiner, and Billy Crystal saluting Sid Caesar at the Paley Center in 2014. Um, there's a lot of really, really great stuff here. It's sort of the history of television as seen through the career of Sid Caesar. And it's fantastic. Sid Caesar, the works. This is just unbelievably great. And if you love TV comedy and the history of TV comedy, you'll eat it up. Yeah. We'll absolutely eat it up. I want to make mention of uh, some documentaries, by the way, really quickly, from Facets. These are all available special order uh, as uh, DVD-Rs. Facets, uh, Facets, of course, has a great library. They do a lot of really, really cool stuff. That uh, just if it's, it's art film stuff. It's, it's uh, festival stuff. It's usually off the radar. Uh, but they have some amazing docs. And if you love great documentary filmmaking, you really, really should uh, look into some of these. Uh, the, uh, you can go to uh, Facets. Dot org for more information on these. And I think that's the, pretty much the only place you can buy them. Might be able to get them on Amazon. But facets.org should de- be the beginning of your, uh, your search. This is a, um, uh, this is a production from uh, 1996. Uh, it's an hour-long documentary from the Czech Republic, and it takes place at a school for the blind and how these kids, despite being disabled, um, what they... Uh, what, how, they, how they experience the world, what they do. It's really amazing uh, how they express themselves artistically. It's just, it's really, it's so touching, and it's, it, it leaves you wanting more. Uh, a filmmaker by the name of Semyon Aronovich, Semyon Aronovich, Russian filmmaker, uh, in 1991 made a long but very powerful documentary called People's Gala Concert. Uh, this is a uh, really, um, it's not at all what I expected it to be. Um, this is looking at anti-Semitism at the end of Stalinism. And uh, somehow they came up with archival footage that nobody has any business actually finding. It's uh, it's astonishing to me that much of it actually even exists. But um, it is is devastatingly, it's just creepy. It really, 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 uh, it gets under your skin. And you... The thing you wonder is how how on earth did that footage survive? Mm. Who shot it? When did they shoot it? Why did they shoot it? And yeah. how was it preserved? That's yeah. the thing. This stuff just uh, it, it goes right to your right to your jugular. Uh, then we also have uh, another Czech film from 2005 called Toyen by Jan Nemec, and uh, this is all about uh, the uh, the uh, surrealist artist Toyen. And it's basically a portrait of uh, him and his work and his life and, uh, and you know, how he dealt with, the, with the, the oppressive regime of the Czech Republic when he was, you know, when it was under communist rule. And, um, you know, his, the, the incredible intrigue of uh, his experience during World War II, it's really yeah. uh, quite an amazing story. I'm not familiar with Toyin or his work apart from watching this, but it's very, very good. 
Uh, Stardust Stricken is a portrait of Mosin Makmalbaf, the great Iranian filmmaker. This is by Hushang uh, Golmakani, and uh, it is, this, is, this was made in 1996. It's only 70 minutes long. I wish it was longer, and this would never be made today. No Iranian film would be made about the Makmalbafs today, or any Iranian filmmaker from the Iranian New Wave, for that matter. They're yeah. all too controversial. Uh, the Makmalbaf House is one of the legendary family-run filmmaking uh, operations uh, in the history of Iran. Makmalbaf himself is not just the only great filmmaker. His son is a filmmaker. His wife's a filmmaker. His daughter is extraordinary. Made a film called Blackboards, which is just m miraculous. Uh, I almost think his daughter is the most talented one in the family. In any case, Mosin Makmalbaf, legendary figure, and this tells you exactly why. Uh, where he came from began as a, as a film critic, like so many from the French New Wave, and goes through all of the, uh, the, 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 how, you know, this all shaped his political activism as well. It's quite a, it's quite a movie, and it should be longer. And then we also have uh, two volumes of Disruptive Film, Everyday Resistance to Power. Uh, this is an ongoing series with facets. I'm going to presume that there will be more volumes. Uh, basically, this, this, you know, there are episodes to this, and uh, they, they are... Um, what they're looking for are uh, basically, they're, they're like little mini episodes about political resistance in the world, wherever it is and whatever it's against, all different kinds of countries, all different kinds of causes. Uh, but it, it sort of forms a collage of what political resistance looks for, looks like, uh, from where it comes, and whether or not it actually ever leads to anything. So Disruptive Film Volumes 1 and 2, Everyday Resistance to Power, very, very good, also highly recommended. Well, 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 well. Uh, foreign films? Yeah, foreign. Uh, Lucretia Martel's Zima. Very interesting film. Beautiful, beautiful film. Hypnotic, even. Uh, so this is... I love her movies. Uh, beautiful movies. Yeah. Uh, this is a film about a guy who's working for the crown, for the Spanish crown. He's stationed in this backwater, out-of-the-way place that he hates uh, uh, and, uh, in South America, and, and he's been waiting for a letter from the king, uh, putting, giving him a different station. Meanwhile, he falls in love with this... Beautiful black um, uh, woman, uh, yeah. a Central American woman. But he, what he really wants to do is go. Uh, but what he finds is that he falls more and more in love with her. And, and then years go by, and the letter doesn't come. And then it does. And that's the thing. Right? Hmm. Beautiful movie, that's right? Beautiful. That's beautiful. Right that's there. poetic. Right that's yeah. poetic right there. You know what sure. I mean? Uh, and, and, and it's actually a, an actually beautiful film. Um, not a whole lot on here by way of special features, but th this is one of the strand releasing. This is one of those situations where the movie the movie speaks for itself. Uh, strand re releasing presents uh, Lucretia Martel's Zima. Zama. 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 Uh, you got one there? Yeah, Suffering of Ninko uh, from IndiePix. This is a DVD-R. This is uh, all the, all the IndiePix stuff is. The Japanese movie from 2016. You know, 20, 25 years ago, this would have gotten a theatrical release. Japanese movies had a much easier time getting uh, released here than they do now. It's much, much more difficult. But um, this is really a, a, a fascinating provincial movie. Most Japanese movies in the last few decades have been much more oriented towards the urban lifestyle in Japan. And not this one. Ninko, the title character, is a, uh, a Buddhist monk who uh, has uh, a problem. He is women cannot resist him. He is like the, he's like the he's like Elvis. He's a Buddhist monk who's like Elvis to women. He just gets them worked up and they go nuts, right? He's like the Elvis. He's like Elvis wrapped around Sexy monk. wrapped around the Beatles or something. It's just. Anyway, um, and this goes to a very, very weird experience, which forces him to, 
uh, on, a, on a kind of a Buddhist journey. I don't want to tell you what happens, but he has to go on kind of a Buddhist journey to sort of figure, figure it all out. And uh, that goes to a supernatural place that you do not expect and do not see coming. And, and it becomes almost like a Marvel movie in a weird, <laughs> in a very weird way. Um, it, again, the movie, just, it takes some just weird, freaky turns. And it's so, but yet it's so interesting. And uh, it even has some, you know, there's like some animation in this that's really, really super cool. So the movie is The Suffering of, or just Suffering, no, The Suffering of Ninko. Really, really worth checking out. And uh, this was at the Rotterdam Film Festival. Should have been at other film festivals as well. It's great. Suffering of Ninko from IndiePix. Mm, wicked cool. Bye Bye Germany, wonderful German film. So funny. Oh, this is great. It's set in 1946, just after the war. Yeah. You have these sort of uh, yeah, Holocaust survivors. Uh, it's what they are. Uh, and uh, they're doing all kinds of wacky things, working in the linen factory, doing this, that, and the other thing, all trying to make money. Why? Because they want to get the hell out of Germany yeah. and come to the <laughs> United right. States. Because, you know, post-war Germany is pretty yeah. tough. Marshall Plan and all of that. And uh, the, the, you know, it's, it's a poignant and sweet film, but it's yep. mostly funny. Yep. But that desire of that generation to make their way to America mm -hmm. uh, by hook or by crook yep. is a really, really interesting thing because it represents something true and real. Uh, and it's kind of you know it's kind of like a Ocean's Eleven. They plan this wild caper so they can get the money, get the tickets, and get out, get out of Germany. Funny, very very sweet. Um, someone called it on the box here. Oh, the best German language film Joel and Ethan Cohen never made. <laughs> you, that's so you great. Know, you know that's interesting. That's Sherilyn Connolly of San Francisco Weekly. Way to go, Sherilyn. Interesting Portuguese movie here called John From, made in 2015. Uh, and we don't see a lot of Portuguese movies these, these days, uh, to be honest. And so it's always interesting to, to see some kind of a, a cool representation of Portuguese culture, uh, especially in this one, which uh, gets into a, it's a it's basically one of these coming of age things set during a summer. You know, coming of age things always set during those those hot hot summers. Anyway, uh, it's about a teenage girl. And uh, and her very unusual summer when. She has a, um, I don't want to call it a romance, but it's a, a, an infatuation. Let's just say that there's an infatuation that uh, takes her into all kinds of really interesting uh, psychological tangents. I'll leave it with that. Beautifully shot uh, in 16 millimeter, no less, and, uh, and really quite, uh, quite interesting. There's a, there's, a, there's a factor of the film that, uh, that is sort of like what precipitates a lot of this is a, an exhibition on Melanesian culture. And the way that that factors into the story is is also very very interesting. So I won't give anything else away. John Frum, F R O M, exactly like it sounds. John Frum, uh, really interesting Portuguese film, worth checking out. And that is from Altered Innocence, uh, a company that uh, just came onto our radar. It's a Blu-ray from Altered Innocence. Yeah, well, oh, yeah, I knocked this one out. Next yep. time I'll aim for the heart. Uh, so Guillaume Canet, uh, Canet in a Cedric Anger film. Yeah. Dark, Guillaume Dark. Canet, who, by the way, is the husband of um, of uh, uh, Marion Marion Cotillard. Yeah, Mar yeah, yeah, Marion, um, writer and director and actor and, and everything else. Uh, wonderful actor in particular. He's very, very good. And this is this is the Palma esque sort of chilling 1978-79. There's a serial killer roaming around uh, <clears throat> roaming around France. Um, as it turns out, the very gendarme who is charged with finding the serial killer is the serial killer. Now, I'm not giving anything away. That's this, this you know in the first couple of minutes of the film. 
Uh, everything else that goes on in this film is what's absolutely fascinating. Not it's not it's not one of those who's the killer movies. You know who the killer is. What the hell is going on? It's what's much more fascinating about this film. Uh, very powerful, well done, and uh, executed. Nominated for two Caesar Awards, uh, 2014s. Next time, I'll aim for the heart. Wonder when they'll adapt this. Good um, question. You know, it seems very adaptable. It seems it yeah, does. Yeah. yeah. Street Mobster from Arrow is something should de- if you're a fan of Japanese yakuza movies as I am you're definitely going to want to get this. This is uh, uh, it has fewer extras than Arrow titles usually have on Blu-ray. It's not loaded up with them, but it's a legendary film. It really is. You, you've got to see this. Made in 1972 by the great Japanese director Kinji Fukasaku, most famous here uh, for Battle Royale, but basically f- uh, endlessly famous for his uh, his many great yakuza movies, primarily yeah. in the 60s and into the 70s. And um, uh, Street Mobster is kind of like his Scarface. It's about a guy who's been in prison, and he comes out and gets right back into it. And you know, he's now he's now in the in the heat of uh, everything that he left five years earlier, but uh, with a with a twist and uh, some really 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 great direction in this. It's uh, it it's really powerful and it's brutal and it has wonderful performances. So uh, that's highly recommended. Has a great audio commentary by uh, Tom Mez, who's a huge expert on Japanese cinema, more so than I am, for sure. And uh, along with the trailer and stills, and uh, it's, it's, it's worthwhile. Street Mobster by the great Kinji Fukasaku on Blu-ray from Arrow. Uh, an astounding documentary called Bitter Money. I, did, I, I remember covering this on the show uh, not too terribly long ago. Uh, that follows the, the, the plight, really, of 12 Chinese garment workers um, uh, as, they, as they live their lives uh, working in factories that sell the stuff that you buy, we buy, yeah. and Target and Walmart and Kmart and all of these sort of places. And it is a, it is a very, very different in, – in the context of today's issues regarding uh, trade with China, this movie is all the more salient. Yeah. Uh, as we watch these women work 12-hour and 18-hour days – uh, work on what should be their days off. Uh, they have left their children behind in the provinces, and sometimes they don't see their children for years at a time. Certainly not for months at a time, but often for years at a time. Um, it's just a it's just a beautiful, powerful, disturbing movie, and it makes you have to it makes you think about about commerce and free society and what it all means to someone, this little Chinese woman, uh, uh, fifteen thousand miles from here. Uh, for me to buy a T-shirt with Astro Boy on it. Yep. Um, it's a hell of a movie, a very, very powerful Bitter Money by Wang Bing. Super interesting movie here from uh, Cinema Libre, who normally does a lot of very uh, politically-oriented documentaries. And uh, this is called Lu Andrea Salome, The Audacity to be Free. This is by uh, the filmmaker Cordula Cablitz-Post. And it's a really, really interesting uh, biopic uh, about a 19th-century feminist of the title, Lou Andrea Salome, who uh, was part of the same social circle as many of the great figures of the of the era, uh, including Friedrich Nietzsche, and um, it's it's uh, all about her loves and her romances and affairs and her accomplishments and uh, what she's you know the the conventions that she fought against, uh, the, uh, the the things that she fought for. Really, a fascinating figure. Uh, that with whom I was not that familiar. The uh, the movie is a an international co-production. Uh, was made in 2018 with Russian, Italian, and German money. So it's uh, kind of sp- crosses all of those uh, all those all those countries and all those languages. They're sort of all mixed up in here. But it's really really interesting. 
And um, it, it's worth a look. It really is. You're not going to recognize anybody in it. It's one of those foreign language films. It doesn't really, uh, probably never thought that it would have any appeal uh, across, the, uh, across the globe, but it really, really does. It's very, very interesting. And there's a, inter- a really good uh, commentary and interview with the director. And I also love the fact that uh, given, the, uh, given the subject matter and the fact that it's a female director, there's a little, th- they have a thing here called it F-rated, female-directed. Mm. Little, little logo, little stamp on it. Want to make sure that they're they're true to their subject matter. Uh, Big Fist and uh, Begonia. This is a wonderful little movie. Uh, animation. That is, a, that is a sweet film. Sweet film. Uh, these creatures that live under the sea, <laughs> and one is a restless young woman, and she wants to experience the human world. Well, she she, she is allowed to experience it, but in the shape of a dolphin. Uh, and while in the shape of a dolphin, uh, self-experiencing what 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 humans do, uh, she's almost killed, and a young a young man comes to her rescue and does in fact rescue her, but loses his life, uh, in, in in the process. And she becomes so guilty. Uh, she goes about the process of uh, of doing what it takes to to uh, uh, revitalize him. It's a very Miyazaki-like film, but it's not Miyazaki. Uh, it's beautiful, it's lovely, it's sweet as anything uh, you would ever want to see. And I, you look, it might be a little sophisticated, a little old for um, uh, you know, small children, but any, any, any kid over 10, uh, you know, 11, 12 years old would probably get into this. Special features include a making of documentary, uh, a short film uh, inspired by the movie, mus- music videos and whatnot. Lovely, lovely little movie, Big Fish and Begonia. There's a wonderful Indian film uh, called Hotel Salvation by, I'm going to do my best with the director's name, uh, Shubashish Bhutiani. Wow, that, that was better than I'd, I'd rehearsed it before. Uh, this, this stars uh, the amazing actor Adil Hussain, uh, for whom I am tremendously biased because he's actually, uh, he has a role in a movie that uh, a very good friend of ours uh, recently made. He's tremendous and he's mm. a wonderful actor. Uh, Adil Hussain plays a, uh, a guy who is burdened by the care of his father who has said, I want to live out my life at this place uh, called Hotel Salvation where, you know, people g- basically, it, it's where you can live for the last two weeks of your life. Mm. That's it. That's, it's designed for, to give people just uh, a place to be for the last two weeks of their lives. And, of course, this is all about going into that father-son place, that relationship between father and son and and uh, and and grappling with it, and and uh, it's it's really really a beautiful poetic movie. It's very very well done, and comes with a bonus short film, as many film movement titles do, uh, which is a Swiss French subti- uh, short film that uh, called May the Night Be Sweet, which is just absolutely delightful, and uh, it, it kind of it does really have something to do with the main film as well. So they're they're worth watching together. The film is called Hotel Salvation on DVD from Film Movement. Mm. Oh, Phantasm, Zhao, uh, Pedro Rodriguez film. Uh, this is a very, very good film from, I believe, Strand, yeah, uh, from Strand releasing. Zhao uh, 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 made a film called The Ornithologist and To Die Like a Man and Two Drifters. Uh, you sort of gay-themed films, uh, uh, but with very interesting context to them, including this one about a young man uh, working uh, in, in Lisbon, uh, sort of a trash collector sort of job, and, and hating that, and knowing that he wants more uh, out of life, and, and uh, suspecting that he's probably gay, but maybe not, and uh, so he's experimenting with all of that, and he gets involved in trance, and uh, sort of like trance music, and, uh, and it's just really, really in a very, very, very intense film uh, that delves into the mind of a young man who's trying to figure out his life in every possible way as he roams across uh, uh, Lisbon, the north of uh, the north of Lisbon. A powerful movie, Oh Phantasm.
by Jao Pedro Rodriguez. And we got a few little docs here to uh, pump just here at the end of the show. Uh, one of them is 24 by 36. If you know anything, you know that 24 by 36 are the dimensions of a movie poster. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is all about the, uh, the, the art form of the illustrated movie poster. And it, I'm so glad somebody finally did this. I think there's even more to do on this. But this is an 82-minute docu documentary from 2016. Um, with a half an hour of additional bonus uh, interview footage, so it's you know you wind up with about a two-hour movie, give or take, if you want to kind of lump it all together, uh, that goes into the the whole history of the, the what went into movie poster art, which is kind of a lost thing now. Everybody yeah, just, they just Photoshop the daylights out of these things, rip something else. Yeah, off. It, it all starts with a photograph. Now they used to start with paintings or yes. lithographs or well, all kinds of things. There are there are there are artists who literally made entire careers out of these incredible graphic designs yeah. that would become movie posters. Which, which, which were never called movie posters in the movie business, folks. No. They're called one-sheets. If you work it. in the business, you call that a one-sheet. That's You want to find an amateur? Catch somebody calling that a poster. There you go. And uh, anyway, this is, uh, this is a really, really cool doc. It, 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 anyone who, who collects them, who wants to collect them, or who kind of misses that era, you will really, really love this. It's called 24 by 36. And then there is, uh, well, I'll let you do that one. I'll write well, what is this here? This is uh, from executive producer Leonardo DiCaprio, who's you know, going to cancel little docs over the course yeah. of his career. He's, a, he's also going to do the reboot of uh, Facts of Life. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was, what was he on? No, he was on, he played, he was on the one with Kurt Cameron and, was he? and Missy Gold. Yeah, he came in late on that show. Uh, um, and uh, you remember. Fam oh, the, the, the family, the, yeah, the, not the, Family Ties, but the other one. The other with one Alan Thicke. Yeah. Uh, he came one. in late on that show and he played like the cousin that they adopted oh, or something. Oh, dear. Uh, so it doesn't surprise me after all. Anyway, executive producer Leonardo DiCaprio pre uh, presents The Men Who Built America Frontiersmen. And it's all about that. Uh, yep. Daniel Boone and Andrew Jackson and John C. Fremont and Kit Carson, David Crockett and Lewis and Clark, uh, who began their journey in my hometown of St. Louis and Tecumseh. Um, um, all in, interesting characters. All I, I like that he's very fairly straightforward regarding Andrew Jackson and what Andrew Jackson did uh, to the nation, which was not all that great. Um, um, uh, yeah. But you know, he, he but he gives everybody their due as well. So good stuff. And then the very last one is the Us Festival, 1982, the Us Generation. This is a documentary all about the 1982 Us Festival when I was in. High school. I remember mm. this so well. They wanted to have something that was like Woodstock. Wozniak, Wozniak, right? Wozniak was part of it. They want to have like a Woodstock for the West Coast. And next thing you know, out in this just desolate part of Santa Clarita up near Magic Mountain, they put on this big old honking festival. And, you know, Tom Petty and the police and Santana and the B-52s and... It was just unbelievable. The cars, yeah. you know, Rick Ocasek, they were... Uh, they, they, this is well just, before Coachella, folks. This is way before. And it was huge. Yeah. It was huge. It was unbelievable. Everybody went up to that thing, and it was madcap, and I don't know what happened to it, but I do now. Mm. Uh, anyway, lots of interview outtakes. They interview Wozniak. They talk to Stuart Copeland. They talk to everybody that they can. It's on Blu-ray. Amazing archival footage. You will love this. It is a great documentary. I'm so glad this finally happened. So with that, uh, that's a Blu-ray and DVD combo set. I should point out DVD on this as well, but only watch it on Blu-ray. It's the only way you get the yeah. do justice to it. So with that, that's the Yust Festival, 1982, the Yust Generation, and we will see you next week. Mm -hmm.
So just go ahead and send us an email to gods at digigods.com or uh, gods at cindygods.com with your uh, name and address in the body of the email and put red in the uh, in the subject line, just R-E-D, red, and it'll get to us. And uh, we'll pick four winners as long as you get it to us by Monday, August 6th. Uh, Monday, August 6th. We're going to give it two weeks because we don't have a show this next week. So Monday, August 6th. We'll give it two weeks, and we will see you then.